Welcome to Season 3 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm Garrett McMillan, a new sophomore on this year's Alabama baseball team, and thanks to our new NIL regulations, I can be paid a nominal amount to promote this podcast. A very nominal amount. Is there another word for less than nominal? Just stick to the script, Garrett. Okay. Tom and JT will be rambling on about SEC football again this year with a high lean on the Crimson Tide. Hey, have you guys ever considered I'm not bucking, you're bucking? Garrett, the script. Okay. Here are your hosts, Tom and JT. Welcome to Season 3. honesty and truthfulness without which I cannot win the respect and confidence of my fellow men. I believe in obedience to law because it protects the rights of all. I believe in the human touch which cultivates sympathy with my fellow men and mutual helpfulness and brings happiness for all. I believe in my country because it is a land of freedom and because it is my own home and that I can best serve that country by doing justly loving mercy, and walking humbly with my God. And because Auburn men and women believe in these things, I believe in Auburn and love it. Of course, that is part of the creed. Before we go any further, I'd like to welcome everybody in to episode 18 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. Uh, What I just read, we'll talk about at length. But first off, I'm JT, half of the host team, along with Tom Sims. Tom? I thought I was on the wrong podcast there for a second. I didn't know what was happening. <clears throat> yeah, well, like I said, you, that opened, was, you opened up with Auburn Creed. That is some excerpts from the Creed that Auburn prides itself on that makes them different than any other school. You know, Auburn's just a different town. They're just It's just special, Tom. It's special. You know, they're not a win at all cost. You know, Auburn, uh, Alabama fans love Alabama football, Auburn fans love Auburn. Well, you know what you can do with that creed now, my friend? You can take that piece of paper, you can wad it up, and you can shove it up your ass because the hiring of Bruce Pearl proves beyond a shadow of a doubt you're in it to win it. It is win at all costs. Just win, baby. They should. That should be the new creed for them. The Oakland Raiders just win, baby, because that is what they did today when they hired Hugh Freeze. Yeah, and that was that was funny. You had a slippage there and, and, and named Bruce Pearl instead of Hugh Freeze at the first part of your rant, but I think both of them kind of wow. fit in that mold. Did I really? <laughs> yeah. but, but like you said, that plays perfectly because they've got the sleaziest basketball coach, a guy who had a show calls, Tom. He had That means you had to seek permission from somebody, I assume it was the commissioner of the league of the SEC, and it was either Slive or Sankey at the time. You had to seek permission to hire the guy because he had a show cause. And I, I'm sure you had to fill out all kind of paperwork with the steps you had in place to monitor him. So you get him on campus, the FBI investigates. He refuses to talk to the AD. Will not talk to him. Allegedly. Allegedly, Allegedly. my foot. They did not fire him. <laughs> And now they have hired the greasiest, slimiest coach in the history of college football, the recent history of college football. This guy made an eighth allegedly. grade girl. Allegedly. Allegedly. Thank you. We don't want to get sued here. I'm not targeting your targeting. This guy allegedly made an eighth grade girl take her shirt off in his presence when she had a Grateful Dead shirt on to change because it was against school code. This is when he was an eighth grade teacher, middle school teacher, I assume, because eighth grade would be middle school. Okay. This guy had a university-issued phone that he was calling escort services. That is fact. That's documented in NCAA documents. Okay. This is a guy who has direct message on Twitter a girl who was a, a vic- allegedly a victim of sexual assault. And I assume, I can't figure out the, the guy... <laughs> was it one of Freeze's players at Liberty or just a common student? I don't know. But regardless, he reached out to a girl. He's, the dude's 53 years old. He reached out to a college co-ed on Twitter DM. Dude, if, a, if, if my daughter is who's at Alabama now, 
if she is claiming sexual assault against a player and the head coach of that team reaches out to her on direct message, my friend, we're going to have a talk. I'm getting his number, <laughs> and he I don't care if it's Nick Saban. I don't care if it's Nate Oates. I don't care who it is. We're going to have a talk about, dude, you're not going to direct message my daughter who's going through a traumatic experience right now. But anyway, that's who they hired. Why did they hire him, Tom? I'll let you, you know, I, I have my feelings. I think you know where my feelings lie. Why did they hire Hugh Freeze? Well, it's interesting. I mean, it really is. Uh, and when, and a lot of the things, well, all of the things you just mentioned were more morality things, which is that's the point you were you were making. That's uh, against the Auburn Creed or whatnot. But let's not forget he was also on NCAA probation for major major violations at Ole Miss before pre NIL for distributing cash, car loans. I think there were some uh, players that had their exams taken for them or something, to entrance exams or something like that, too. I mean, it, it was a whole laundry list of things that that cost him his job at his Ole Miss, not to, not to mention the uh, the escort thing. So, um, and you hit on that. You know, and what's funny about that, too, is the escort thing would never have come out if Ole Miss and Hugh Freeze didn't try to make Houston Nutt the scapegoat for all that uh, impropriety in the program, for for all the, um, like we said, cash to players and that sort of thing. They, they, they tried to make Houston Nutt the scapegoat, and he got mad. You know, they're dragging his name through the mud, and by gosh, he... He's the one, or his attorneys were the ones that requested the cell phone records and open records request, and lo and behold, <laughs> this is what we come up with. But what's you know, this, I did I did look what's back. What's one nine hundred number on here? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I did look back. It's interesting. It's interesting the pattern of Auburn coaches. Uh, their last three have all come from Arkansas State or at least coached at Arkansas State one time prior to getting to Auburn. That's, that's Malzahn, Harson, and Freeze. All three of them were head coaches at Arkansas State. Is that like the, I don't know, is that, is that a training ground for the, for the uh, mediocrity coaches or something? I, I'm not sure what's happening. And I would say yes, because you know who also coached there? Ray Perkins and Butch Jones. <laughs> <laughs> man, they've had, some, uh, they've had some pretty darn good coaches, man. You know what's also weird about that Arkansas State job? I was looking at it. So Arkansas State made the jump to Division One sometime, I guess, in the early 2000s or whatnot. And they had hired a coach, I forget what his name was, Roberts or something like that from Northwestern State. And he, he was coaching there for seven or eight years. And toward the end of his tenure, they he hired um, Freeze as the offensive coordinator. Well, in like 2010, they decided they were going to hire, they were going to fire the head coach that they had, Who'd been who'd been doing a marvelous job for? I mean, you know, they weren't killing it, but I mean, he he transitioned them to a one A program. That's a tough transition. I, I don't know who's fooling themselves to think they should be in the playoffs, you know, after transitioning from double A AA to one A. But nonetheless, he was doing a good job. So they fire him to make Freeze the head coach, and he leaves leaves the next season. Yeah. Yeah. But I uh, I, I you think know he's I think I don't think he's changed from uh but uh so now you know, you know we're coming up almost on ten years ago. This was twenty fourteen and fifteen, uh when he beat Bama back to back. And so, you know, we're we're eight years. The guy was, was younger than me when all this was going on at Ole Miss. Yeah, and and just very quickly, his last eight years starting at Ole Miss in two thousand twelve, seven and six, eight and five uh, six, seven, six, eight, and five, nine, and four, ten, and three, and then fired at Ole Miss. Took a couple years off. Been at Liberty now for four seasons. Eight and five, ten and one, eight and five, eight and four. 
I mean, that's I see why they hired him now. Those are pretty much standard records for Auburn, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, averaging I about you, eight and five, a, a one ten and uh, one in there. Why Auburn hired him, and and there's there's really only one answer because he beat Bama back to back. Tom, there. Mm-hmm. So, so in, and what's funny is, you know. The, the game that he should have won was 2016 when he had us 21 to three in the first half and uh, and we ended up coming back and winning you know we we threw a pick uh going threw a pick in the end zone trying to score in 2014 at Ole Miss lost 23 to 17 and then the next year we fumbled gosh what five times fumbled the opening kickoff we lost 43 to 37 we're driving. Got plenty of time, and uh, for some reason, Kiffin airs it out like with a minute and a half left and throw another interception. But, you know, if you remember, we started Cooper Bateman that game for some reason, and that was a game really that that was the impetus for Jake Coker taking control of that team. Uh, the Ole Miss mm-hmm. loss, it just sucks that we had a loss. But I I don't know if any Auburn fans listen to this. If they do, I'm sure they're furious right now with, with my antics to open the, the show. But – Honestly, Auburn fans, if Alabama fans too, if Hugh Freeze in 2014, so we lost by six in 2014 and 2015 back to back years. If we had scored a touchdown in 2014 and won by one point, and we had scored a touchdown in 2015 and won by one point, is there any way Auburn would have hired this guy today? No, I don't. I don't think so at all. And hey, on top of that, I have a, I have a hot take for you. We can, you can put this one down. This is going to be an interesting hot take. Okay. I give it I give it only a 50% chance. 50% now. 50-50. 50-50 chance that Freeze actually coaches a game at Auburn. Really? You know, I think a lot of I think a lot of people sat back. A lot of people that are not um vocal let's say that's just you know that are auburn alumni auburn people whatever and 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 i think they kind of sat back and expected auburn to conduct a coaching search and figure out who they wanted and actually hire somebody and they trusted them with their university and i have seen just an unbelievable amount of backlash from auburn folks today a lot. Yeah, there's a lot. I've never seen there. that before. Yeah, I mean, normally you get a lot of people that just go, well, let's get behind this guy, blah, 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 and try to justify what somebody did. They didn't get that Bruce Pearl. I mean, they were they were uh, all in with Bruce Pearl when he come on board. Um, but there is a, a lot of backlash out there today on Twitter, and if that continues over the next few days, they will have a lot of pressure on them and we all know that it takes a while for the contract to be signed and uh this one may not get to the uh all the way to the table that's just just a guess 50 50 that's all i'm saying man that is that is definitely a hot take but uh back and we're we we this is a bama podcast so we're about to wrap this up uh, freeze was hired because he beat alabama and the same reason they got uh, Calzada from A&M last year, the quarterback that didn't do squat this year, ran third team behind a guy that could run the – would be a great quarterback for Nebraska in the mid-'90s and because Calzada beat Alabama. So that's what it's all about at Auburn and is about beating Alabama. So let's, let's jump into my commentary and what I wanted to say. Actually, I've got a couple of things. But, uh, you know, Auburn prided themselves, has prided themselves for years on, well, since Bear Bryant died, we have, we lead the series or the series is tied or whatever. And then it was, well, since 2000, you know, we lead the series. And they have led the series for a long time because, you know, you tend to lead the series when after the first 10 years, you hung six in a row on a team. <laughs> the best you could do was six and four. So I've got good news, Tom. Since Coach Bryant died, Alabama after Saturday is now 21 and 19 versus Auburn. So we're two games clear of the 500 mark. And after last Saturday, for the first time this millennium, we're ahead of Auburn 12 to 11. That put us uh, the 2022 win, put us with 12 wins. Auburn has 11. 
So hopefully we can keep that rolling uh, back to, you know, <clears throat> with the rivalry. Uh, Freeze is going to make it tough. You know, I don't know that we can uh, – I, well, which I never expect to beat them down there. It's just a, it's a different animal when we go down there. But it's, it's just gotten that much harder with him because he's, he's a good coach. With all his imperfections and improprieties, he's a good exit O coach. And I think he is a good – and this is probably why they got him. He's a good quarterback developer because, if you remember, Malik Willis left Auburn and now he's in NFL. So, uh, they, you know, they, they feel like they have brighter days ahead. But at what cost? Like you said, a lot of the female fans are upset because of the what he's doing with the uh, the sexual misconduct at, at the at Liberty. And I don't even know where that case is. Is it still open? I have no clue. I don't keep up uh, with teams with, with, with teams that don't matter like Liberty. <clears throat> I'm so. curious I'm curious as to how his recruiting pitch is gonna go over now. Uh, he hasn't had to recruit at this level since all those allegations became public and they'll be even more visible now. You can hide in the shadows at Liberty with a, a, a felony murder on your record and, and you don't get much um, play over there. But now that you're back in the SEC, everything that's in your closet comes to the forefront, particularly during recruiting season when other coaches are sending messages about you know, other teams, I mean, every year you get a handful of coaches or potentially all of them telling all the recruits' families that Saban's likely retiring next year. That's probably been the ongoing theme for 10 years. And, you know, and and it, it'll be the same sort of things, but this is going to be on a different level, ratcheted up. So I'm, I'm curious to see how effective he is on the recruiting trail with this kind of uh, baggage. Yeah, yeah, good. that's a good point. Bunch of good points there. Uh, let's get into the last part of commentary before we go to the Iron Bowl, and I know we're pretty deep in already on time, so uh, just let, let's take two minutes. I, I thought about this today, asked a couple of people at work and got different answers. I actually put it on Tider Insider and, uh, and got some different answers. So, you know, the season is wrapped up, and as we all know and we'll talk about, we, we're desperately hoping that we're number five tomorrow night. If we're not number five, our chances of making the playoffs go to well below 10%, probably closer to zero than it, we would be uh, as close to 10. So uh, we ended with two losses, both on the road, both by a very slim margin. So, Tom, if you could make, if you could change one play for 2022, what would it be? And before you start, I, I'm, I'm going to say that that's the question, give you a little bit of time to think about it. Before you blurt something out, there are three plays that are off the board. I'm not going to let you select them because it'd be too easy. The first play that's off the board is Will Rikard's missed field goal at Tennessee that would have put us up with less than a minute left. Okay. Okay. The second play that's off the board is the Tennessee made field goal that and, and uh, that kept us from going overtime that won in the regulation. Those two plays are off the board. And the third play that's off the board is the two-point conversion at LSU because, of course, you know, you're like, well, crap, if I could change one play, you know, the tight end falls down and the ball sails over his head and we win uh, 30 to 31 to 30 or whatever. You know, we, we win by one instead of losing by one. So those three plays you cannot select. So, But here's the ones you can select or you can write in, uh, you know, your own play if you'd like. But I have a top. candidate already. Okay, well, let's hear it. <laughs> yeah, let's see if this is on your list. Uh, the uh, the pass interference on the interception at Tennessee at the end of the game. That did make the list for sure. Uh, that was yeah, one that's of the top that's five. a game sealer. That that's yeah. that's number one in my book. That one that that one's all everything, and and one of the reasons too, which it wouldn't have mattered, we'd have been in the SEC championship regardless. But if if but before you go through the rest, I don't mean to intervene here. Let's no, say fine. for instance I, I that goes. You can guess. I'm anxious to see if you can guess the five. You got one. Well, this is the first time I thought about it. I don't know that I can guess the five. You know how my memory is not that good. <laughs> um, yeah, you had beers with Kobe Bryant in Vegas and you forgot about it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to let you go for the list because I don't want to embarrass myself trying to remember here on, on national podcast radio. But 
I, I will I will ask you this quick question before you go to the list. If uh if if we would have gotten that pass interference flag picked up like it should have been, and there's no call there, and we go ahead going to beat Tennessee by we would have beat them by ten or three, you know, depending on what, how it happened or seven. There's many yeah. things, but we would have won the game for sure if that happens. If we do that, would you have rooted for LSU or Texas A&M this past Saturday? Uh, so we would have had one loss. Um, I, you know what? I think I would have rooted for uh, for Texas A&M because at 11-1 with the loss to LSU on a two-point conversion overtime, we're in. We don't have to take matters into our own hands. That's right. You said you would have rooted for LSU. I w- no, I would have rooted for A&M to – no, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, yes. I would have rooted yeah. for LSU to go to Atlanta instead of us, and I know that's not a – Exactly. Uh, yeah, no, that's kind that's, of a, that's, that was the point that I was making. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of a chicken crap way to do things, but, dude, Georgia looks good. I don't want – and I, and, and the thing is, if you go play them in Atlanta, you're going to have to play them twice because it, Georgia uh, – you know, Georgia's in. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> So, that's why uh, that's why Tennessee blew such an, a golden opportunity. It's yeah. so it's hilarious, really. But all right, go ahead with your list. Sorry. Okay. Well, that one was on the list, and 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 that is probably easy an easier one. The one that I like though is the muff punt or whatever you want to call it at Tennessee. Now I know that was in the first half, and there's a lot of football to be played. And yours, the the play that you'd like to change probably leads to more to a clear cut victory. But, man, we had stopped them. We were about to get the ball right around probably the 40 and it was 60 yards away from the end zone. And I just would like to have seen us operate from there. And I think we could have, you know, scored and got confidence. And we that would have – I don't know even what the score was. But I know within five plays they were back scoring again. You know, it was just – I would yeah. like to – the I, muff- I, Do what? No, I'm with you. I just, I just thought of another one that you're going to have on your list. Okay. The yeah. – um, and then I will stick with Tennessee. This was the fifth one, the the Gibbs curl route, the when on our last drive, and he dropped it. You know, it was a little low, but he got both hands on it. If he catches that, at minimum, we get a first down and and make it a, a closer field goal. And I'm not sure he wouldn't have scored. All he would have had to do was beat one person to score and go up seven. And you know, could yeah. Tennessee put it in overtime? Sure, they could have, but I don't, I'm not sure that they would. So there's a three from Tennessee game. I've got one from LSU. The interception. That's the Bryce Young interception yep. in the end zone the first drive. Oh, the first yeah. drive. I mean, that was killer, you know. And as you look at it, yeah, I know the, you know, butterfly flaps its wings and things change. But if we get – if we just – if that if that ball falls incomplete and we kick a field goal, do the math. We win. You know, it never goes to mm-hmm. OT. And the fifth one – that was is was kind of popular on Tider Insider today, and actually a coworker gave this one to me. Bryce Young's injury versus Arkansas. He would like to change that play, and that yeah. is a true Bama fan request because what that you know the the ones that you the one you selected, and then like if you select the the LSU interception, those probably yours leads directly to a win in my opinion. The Bryce Young interception is probably going to lead to a win. But this one here, Bryce Injury versus Arkansas, we still got a lot of football to be played. We're still playing Tennessee, but we got him full strength. And not only that, we've got him finishing the Arkansas game. We've got him playing Texas A&M the next week to get cohesiveness with his receivers. So mm-hmm. that, those five, I think if you change any one of those five, we are at one to zero losses, and we're either sitting home – waiting on the playoffs, or we're headed to Atlanta with one loss. Yep, I agree. And that's 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 crazy how this is a game of inches. One play, one play changes the whole season, and there was a smattering of multiple opportunities for that. There's not a lot of teams that can say that at all. I mean, how hardly ever. I mean, Ohio State can't say that. They've only got one loss, but by gosh, they lost by 20 points Saturday we'll yeah, get into that yeah. so one one play's not going to change that game they're going to have to have a dozen different plays <laughs> I mean and it's just uh so so that's a, yeah that's an interesting perspective on the season for sure there yeah well one one game that did not make the list thank goodness was the Auburn game the Iron Bowl so uh 
uh, came down with you this weekend and watched, enjoyed the, the hospitality and uh, the barbecue that, <laughs> that knocked out the 11 o'clock action for you to go get. Thank you, Nikki and Chrissy. <laughs> Frustrated. But, uh, yeah, we, uh, you know, we were watching the game and we had figured out uh, we'd already seen Michigan beat Ohio State. We really felt like we needed Ohio State to, to beat Michigan in that reverse score like that, uh, you know, Ohio State to win by 20-something. We thought that would put Michigan – possibly knock them out because they don't really have a good – their best win is Penn State, and that Penn State's not a bad win. But they don't really have anything else on the resume. The strength of schedule was in the 60s. So – and their, their game control is not fantastic. Uh, I tell you what, their game control in the second half is fantastic. If you looked at their – you know, they, they'd be struggling – on some of the games early on in the halftime, they'd flip a switch and it was uh, it was over. And that's what they did to Ohio State. You know, they um, they were down at half, I guess, down or tied or maybe slightly ahead, and they beat them, I think, 24-3 to in the second half. But, you know, we really felt like that Bama needed to win that game probably. We needed Auburn to stay around 10 to 13 points, and we needed to get in the mid to high 40s. And so we did our part offensively but we didn't do our part defensively so uh you know i but I, i'm happy with the game a win against auburn is always good and auburn fans are like well we, you know we we ran for 318 yards on y'all and that does suck that we couldn't do a better defensive game plan because we knew they're gonna run but you didn't throw for squat on us so you know if, if you want to brag about 318 yards i'll tell you this next year if you rush for 318 and we beat you 49 27 i will be very happy yeah, for sure. That's the most inconsequential 318 yards you'll ever come across. Um, and, and I thought we were solid all day. Bryce had a solid day, 20 out of 30, 343 yards, three touchdowns. That was very nice. Uh, uh, an unusual thing happened Friday as well, or Saturday. Uh, we had four different players score a touchdown on the ground. That's that's highly unusual. Three running backs and a quarterback. All of them have one touchdown apiece, and then Bryce threw three more to to close it out. Unfortunately, we still had eleven penalties on Saturday as well. But uh, that's that's the most penalties we've had on a home game all year, by the way. So uh, still still not cleaned up in the in the last week. If we don't get in the playoffs, we have nothing to blame but ourselves for for lack of discipline throughout the year. But, uh, yeah, we're holding out hope to the end. It's fun to have a glimmer, even in the last few weeks. It, it would have been uh, less it would have been less uh, interesting to be sitting here talking about the the citrus bowl or something like that for the last three weeks and uh, having players sit out and that sort of thing. So, at least we kept them interested all the way through the end of the season, and, and I guess we'll see how the chips fall. Yeah, and, you know, tomorrow night, number five is uh, is the key. We've got to be at five because us and Ohio State and Tennessee are all uh, idle. So um, whoever's number five, logic, logical thinking, think, you know, means that if number four loses, they have an excellent shot to move up. But, and, um, but it, we'll talk about more of that later. Uh, the Iron Bowl, the positives, more positives was uh, Rockard, our kicker, absolutely flexing on Jarquez Hunter on the on the the, uh, the special teams <laughs> tackle. You know, my daughter goes to to Alabama and she knows Neyland Hibbett. And I don't know if you saw that's the long snapper. They put out Alabama football put out a an underdog. It was a kind of a spoof. He almost recovered a fumble against Mississippi State. So they got this background music. I'll send it to you. They got this background music and. Uh, and it's a voiceover, and he's saying, you know, you, you, sometimes you're so close or whatever. Well, then it shows him in the Auburn game, get the, the botched punt, and he, he catches it, and it just the music dr dramatically increases. I, it, it's hard to – the explanation does nothing for it. But I sent it to Tori, and she said, I know this is everywhere. And she – I don't know if she hangs out with Neyland some, if he comes to some sorority parties, or if she has a class with him. But she said she'd see him Wednesday night. And, I, and so, you know, he's long snaps to a holder that holds for record. I'm like, hey, man, could you – is there any way you could get me this picture frank, signed? And she's like, sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm, I've got an 18 – by 16 by 20 that is being mailed to her. 
And uh, I'm hoping Riker can sign it. And I wish he'd really put something like uh, to Auburn, like hold my nuts or something like that. But, you know, it'd be he doesn't probably need to sign it that way. So, like you said today, if he would put two I'm not targeting, you're targeting, roll tied, uh, that will be just fine. <laughs> Hopefully he will. But, uh, <laughs> you know, another thing, to our receivers um, played well. I, there wasn't a whole – Latou dropped one early. And we're like, gosh, is this a sign of things to come? But, you know, our deep ball, we finally hit a deep ball. Granted, it was a crossing route that was going out of bounds. <clears throat> you know, it's not like we hit him on a post or a post corner. But, you know, uh, three snagged the ball. He didn't let it get into his pads where it could be bobbled because he was almost out of bounds anyway. Man, just a thing of beauty in my opinion. And Robbie Outs, number 45. Dude, welcome to Alabama football. I'm, I I like you, dude. You're a hoss. And, man, he yeah. went after that defensive back. Uh, you know, he wanted him some of that ice. And the defensive back wanted no part of it and ducked down. So, just – it's like it's like Bill O'Brien was auditioning for a job. We we ran some different things we hadn't ran all year. Very excited about that. Like where was this game plan against you know some teams that we struggled against? Yeah, funny thing was that Outs wasn't supposed to play in this past game, but all the starters come in and laid their jerseys on Saban's desk and said <laughs> this one was for Outs, and so he ended up putting him in the final game here in the season. And look what he done. True story. <laughs> All right, so that, that kind of – if we, we'll just kind of talk about on the recap. You know, I just wrote down three or four or five games. And uh, so we can kind of – if we need to circle back to the Iron Bowl, we can. We've already talked a little bit about Michigan-Ohio State. And, um, you know, Clemson got off the schneid against uh, – I'm sorry, South Carolina got off the schneid against uh, uh, Clemson. And I was listening to talk radio this morning. You know, Dabo is really sticking with DJ – DJ Ungungale, whatever you pronounce his name. And they're like, when is he going to move on from him? And Klubnik, I think, is the backup's name. They're like, he must look really terrible in practice to not be able to take a, you know, overtake DJ. Because Dabo, remember in 2000, you know, in 2017, we beat Clemson and we hold him to no touchdowns because Kelly Bryant is the quarterback. And then we end up winning the national title with 2018. You know, Trevor Lawrence is there, and he's looking good in practice, and he's looking good in mop-up duty. And Dabo benches Kelly Bryant in favor of Trevor Lawrence. So it's not that he has not done it in the past. It's just maybe the, the backup is truly not ready. But DJ's not a good quarterback, dude. He He's just, you know, he has his moments. He has flashes. But it is not the quarterback that you're used to seeing from – Todd Boyd from Deshaun Watson from uh, Trevor Lawrence, Kelly Bryant was better than this guy in my opinion. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know yeah. what <clears throat> we've had. We've certainly had our share of five-star quarterbacks never see the field or only see the field mop-up duty, and when we have somebody struggle, it's uh, it's the first name out of their mouth. And so I agree with you. I think he set a precedent that he's not afraid to bench somebody who's struggling. But with as poorly as he's played, you would think if there was another option back there, they'd take it. Um, but uh, that that ship has sailed for them. I think I think they just hitched their their wagon to that basket all year, and they were going to ride or die with it. And uh, it came came crashing down on Saturday, I think. So it's going to be interesting uh, to see what where Clemson goes from here because Dabo is not a big fan of NIL. Well, you know, I'm not a big fan of NIL, and I I doubt Nick Saban's a huge fan of NIL. But you know what? You better get on board with NIL because it's here. And if you don't, you're going to be struggling. I mean, Florida State. I I would like to see Florida State play Clemson again. They've been they've been really hot. You know, you've got Florida State, you've got North Carolina that plays them this weekend. They've got the the number one quarterback. A lot of people are saying for the 2024 draft, so Drake May, uh, which you and I talked about, you know, is that a kid that would get in the portal? Because you're not going to win the national title at North Carolina. You know, he Bama, he was committed to Bama at one time. And, yeah, I, guess and, and we, I guess that's the Jalen Milrow class. Yeah. And, and, to, and to back up and reiterate a little bit, 
Uh, Hugh Freeze is also not a fan of the NIL, says it goes against a lot of his Christian values. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, the last, the other game I had on here is A&M-LSU, which we talked about a little bit. Who would you root for if Bama had one loss and it was to LSU? And we agreed that we would probably root LSU to go ahead and go to Atlanta and get your teeth kicked in, and we'll slide. We'll, we'll rest an extra week and slide in the playoffs at the number three or number four spot if we had one loss. But, you know, A&M was – they played like the team that, that we thought they would play like, uh, you know, all year. I think I had them third or fourth in the in the West. Or maybe second. I better had them second. I'm sure I did. And, like, where was this performance – all year. And remember, the, the team that Auburn beat at home, 13-10, to 10, A-Chain didn't play, Moose Muhammad didn't play. Do you think those two guys would have, might have made a difference in that game? Could have. But i tell you what, too, and, and this is – and I made this point Saturday when we were talking about it. I think this may be the one of the worst SEC West team representatives we've ever had in the, in the championship game. If you look back, and I apologize to LSU a couple of weeks ago about saying that, you know, I claimed that they were the, the worst team in the West that whole time. This is how I expected them to play all year. And, and looking back on their games, yes, they did enough to win. But I made this point, I think, the Alabama week or the week after or whatnot, and it, and it still it still rang true, but it didn't, didn't ring as true as I wanted it to. But they had had to come from behind from every game they played this year in the SEC. Every single one of them. They've, they, they've never led wire to wire. And that trend held true on Saturday yeah. as well because A&M got them. But, you know, when I mentioned that to you Saturday about whether or not they might have been the worst team to make the SEC championship, I went back and looked. There have been seven inch instances since night, since SEC championship was implemented which was in 1992, and there have been seven times that the uh, team in the game was favored by 14 or more points. Quickly, 96, Florida over Bama, 98, Tennessee over Mississippi State, 04, Auburn over Tennessee, 14, Alabama over Missouri, 15, Alabama over Florida, 16, Alabama over Florida, and 20, Alabama over Florida. All those were more than 14-point spreads. Favorite one, all of them. So LSU's got a uh, uh, their work cut out for them this weekend. I think they're checking in right now at, what, 18 and a half? Uh, what I, I see. I wrote it down on the picks. Um, I've got it at... That's the only one I didn't write down. Yeah, I think I think six, it's eighteen and yeah, a half. I think seventeen and a half is what I saw, but it, it might it might have gone up. But yeah, it's it's it, you know LSU blew their chance. I mean, they were going to get in the playoffs with two losses if they won the SEC. Now, if they win the SEC, they get rings and they, and then they go to the Sugar Bowl and that's it. You know, because there's no chance to the playoffs for them. If they're like. Um... Who was it that got rings last year or the year before last? Somebody got rings for winning the West. Auburn has done that. When's the last time? For sure. When's the last time we hadn't won the West? I'm trying to think. I guess LSU won, but they won the title. Yeah, 17, Auburn represented the West and lost to Georgia. Uh, Maybe maybe that was what I saw. But uh, sometimes those those rings and participation trophies get thrown out a little too often in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. So uh, that that's a perfect segue into what I had down next on the, the games of the week. And we, you know, we just, we've got the P five championships championship Saturday, which is pretty cool. A lot of times it's not as cool this year. It could be cooler, um, but it's just not because here's what you have. This is from the AP uh, that was released yesterday. The SEC, you've got number one versus number 11 because we're in divisions. The ACC, you've got 10 versus 24. So no chance of either one of those teams winning and going to the playoffs. The Big 12, you've got three versus 13. Of course, if three wins, they're in. Uh, the Big 10, you've got two versus unranked. That's pathetic mm. because they're in divisions. That's, that's bad. And the Pac-12, you've got four versus 12. And I don't think they're in divisions, but they're in tiebreakers. 
And so I looked at it, I'm like, okay, well, what if every tiebreaker, what if you weren't in divisions and your tiebreaker was whoever's ranked highest in the, in the AP or the, the previous CFP, whatever. So if you went by no divisions and took the highest rated teams in any event of a tiebreaker, here's what you would have this week. ACC, you'd have one versus six, Georgia versus Bama. ACC, you'd have 10 versus 14, Clemson versus Florida State. Big 12 doesn't change. You'd have three versus 13, that's TCU versus K-State. The Big 10, you would have two versus five. After you just had two versus three, you'd have Michigan versus Ohio State again. Now, that might not be fair to Michigan, but, hey, sorry about your luck, you know. And then the Pac-12, you'd have four versus nine. Instead of Utah, you would have Washington in there. So you look – so the SEC, the winner would – could uh, if number six won, the winner would definitely punch their ticket to the playoffs. ACC would still be out. The Big 12 would still be three versus 13. Big 10, you know, probably both – if five can win, probably both teams go to the playoffs in. And then Pac-12, mm-hmm. four versus nine. Nine could jump in there if number, if number one uh, beat number six. If, and then if number three beat 13 and two beat five, uh, number seven and eight would be on a bye, on an idle. So number nine, you know, technically Washington could make the playoffs if they were if they were to beat USC. So it, it would be much more dramatic. And just with the what I just told you, I mean, nobody's playing to get in the playoffs where if they win, they're in. You know, that you can only – USC, if they lose, they're out. And – it's not like the winner goes and the loser stays home. So it's just not – it's not very dramatic, you know, as it has been. A um, lot of big lines. You've got two double-digit lines. You know, Michigan 16 and Georgia, as you said, 18, 17 and a half, 18, 18 and a half. So just not a lot of great football. I guess the, the biggest – what I'm interested in, of course, if, if we're number five tomorrow night in the rankings, which that's the magic number for us, uh, the Pac-12, of course, yeah, if we're number five, I can't wait to watch USC. And that's actually on Friday night, so we'll know our fate Saturday morning when we woke up. But, uh, you know, can Utah beat them again? Utah beat them 43-42 at Utah. So, man, Caleb Williams looked good. I'm pretty sure he has wrapped up the Heisman. Outside of just a falling apart, um, he's got the Heisman wrapped up. But, I mean, even if he doesn't, even if he does fall apart, who's going to win it? I mean, who who else is out there? You know, so yeah, um, I think he's got the inside track, and you know, and you've 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 run over this a couple of times already, and I think everybody, most everybody, is aware of what you're saying. But you know, the top four teams in the country right now in the CFP are going to be Michigan, Georgia. They could be intertwined there, one two. Who knows how that'll come out? Michigan, Georgia, and then you're going to have TCU and USC there. Undefeated TCU, one loss USC. And the question becomes, how far does Ohio State fall down the list? And we stand by that comment last week that I think it would have been a lot better if Michigan would have been on the receiving end of this butt whipping because Ohio State's regular season resume it's not a whole lot better Michigan because they play in the same division of the same conference, but it is slightly better based probably solely on their win over Notre Dame. Yep, and, uh, yeah, it was a toss-up of – and we mentioned this Saturday, you know, it was tough. You wanted Notre Dame to beat USC for, for Bama's sake, but also if they lose, it unbolsters Ohio State's schedule a little bit. So that kind of worked out somewhat but it really does it really does mean a lot if we could make the number five spot at Ohio State but the committee is going to have to look at Ohio State losing badly at home by three touchdowns versus the two in the loss column for Alabama and there will be a lot more to go into that, but that's going to be the thing that hinges a lot because if you're six instead of five, you have to have both TCU and USC to lose and then hope that TCU falls further back than you. That's that's the hope. 
otherwise, if you're five, you only have to have TCU or USC lose, and you would think that you could slide in there at that point. And and none of that is is set in stone. But today, the AP poll came out, and Ohio State stayed at five, just ahead of number six, Alabama. Coach's poll come out right after that, had the identical setup. Ohio State five, Alabama six. Um, another bit of bad news, I think, for us, is that the there is a... And you can follow this on Twitter. You may already do. I think it's... Uh, oh, gosh. Something know it BCS or BCS know it. Some, something about BCS. And basically, they're running the BCS rankings mm-hmm. as they would normally be run based on polls and computers. Yeah. And... They claim, and I haven't followed it every year, but they claim ever since they implemented the playoffs in in the committee in lieu of BCS rankings, that this formula has predicted the top four teams every year. They're undefeated. Every year they've got the top four that are in the playoffs. Now, some years that's easier to do, but but some years it's not. And so currently, after this weekend's games, the BCS numbers have it even worse for Alabama. They have Georgia 1, Michigan 2, TCU 3, Ohio State 4, <laughs> USC 5, Alabama 6. Yeah. So I thought you were going to say Tennessee ahead of us, which we'll talk about shortly. Yeah, no, that that's not not quite the case. So 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 far trending that we we get the six spot instead of the five spot and th- these will be polls that, that that committee looks at they're not they're not supposed to per se look at polls particularly from sports writers and uh coaches well really particularly from coaches they all know that coaches hardly ever watch as much football as everybody else but but looking at the sports writer poll is not all bad i mean those those folks should be following college football at least and it gives them a different perspective but that that information will be available to them what they do with it who knows yeah i was i was trying to put our ourselves in in ohio state shoes and vice versa today so we'll have to play a little bit of make-believe because Ohio State did not play the schedule that we played. But let's say they played Notre Dame at Notre Dame. And then let's say they played um, Michigan at Michigan. And then we did play Auburn at home. Okay, so Bama played Auburn at home. But let's say, so, so you know right now Ohio State is, look, we got one loss, y'all got two. Sorry about your luck. You know, yeah, we lost by 22 or whatever, but still, we've only got the one loss. We were number two, we, and the number three team beat us. We shouldn't drop that much, okay? Well, imagine if Auburn had come into Tuscaloosa and beat us, you know, with that whatever the score was. Let's just say 49-27. That's 22 points. Let's say Auburn beat Bama 49-27, to and let's say that Ohio State had gone to Notre Dame and lost on the last second field goal and then they had traveled to Michigan and lost by one point in, in, a, in overtime where Michigan decided to go for two, and, and both games on the road, and then we lost a home game by 22 to Auburn. You know, how would you feel? I mean, I, yes, crimson-colored glasses, but you know what? I could look at that and say, hey, man, you know, I hope we get in. And I think we maybe deserve to get in. But, dude, if Ohio State gets in over us, I can't say a lot because we lost by 22. They lost by four combined. Mm-hmm. Well, here's a point you told me to remember to say on the podcast, and frankly, I just remembered it just now. And, and this is this will play into that because uh, effectively all schedules are not the same. But in college football, what you're doing is – Basically, you're 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 playing the schedule that's in front of you so that you can build a portrait in the minds of the committee of what type of team you are. And if everybody played the exact same teams, 
it would be a lot easier. If everybody went on the road to Texas and everybody played Texas A&M at home, it would be very easy to compare everybody's teams. Um, but the, the supposition that I want to give you is, let's say you took the Green Bay Packers, the Miami Dolphins, and the Kansas City Chiefs and put them in NCAA college football this year. Right, and let me obviously, stop right, let me stop you right there. If you're listening to this podcast and you have zoned out because we're kind of wrapping it up, you need to listen to this. What Tom's about to say because he told me th- this scenario, this synopsis this weekend, and I thought it was fantastic. So now continue. So you've got Green Bay, you've got Miami Dolphins, and you've got the KC Chiefs in college football. Now continue. And they're, they're in college football, and they play college football schedules. And obviously, when they play the teams on their schedule. They're going to just smash them to bits, except for, guess what, when they play each other. So let's say that Kansas City beats everybody on their schedule and the Dolphins beat everybody on their schedule but Kansas City and the Green Bay beats everybody on their schedule except for Kansas City and the Dolphins. Are you trying to tell me because Green Bay ends the season with two losses to two other NFL teams that they're not better than the other 100 college football teams because they have two in the loss column? Of course not. Exactly. It's a product of who you play. And that's that's what the committee had. And it's not an easy job. It's not. We're not saying it's cut and dried that, that we have it. But if you look on practically every strength of schedule metric, we have the highest strength of schedule of everybody that are that is in playoff contention. Every one of them, and uh, and and that's that's almost across the board. And I mentioned this last week too. You know, we we lead in a lot of metrics, and that's why uh, it's it's yeah. Hey, I, I have only played two top ten teams, and and we got losses. But you know what? We play when 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 Michigan's playing one and you know, one in eight Rutgers, we're playing, you know, six and five Auburn or whatever. There's a huge gap there between the talent level of competition that you're playing. And so you can run up some gaudy stats versus teams, even within your own conference. But strength of schedule tells you a lot about the type of schedule you play. And I, I think it's a it's a good example using NFL teams for that. Just because you have two losses doesn't doesn't exclude you from being one of the best teams in the country. Yeah, one of the top, yeah. If Green Bay finishes their season at ten and two, it doesn't mean they're not one of the top four teams in the country. In in your yes. scenario, and correct. Lastly, on a, on the playoffs, you know, Vol Twitter is just going nuts about now that they have beaten, they've smashed Vandy, uh, to shut them out. You know they're they're wanting to be back in the conversation, and they're just they're uh, they're just abhorred that that Bama's ahead of them, and they're like we we head to head should matter head to head should matter. Okay, two things, dude. You you got sixty three points given up against South Carolina, who is an above average team. I will give uh, South Carolina credit, you know. But well, you know what? When they played Tennessee, they were six and four, and. They were underdogs in the last two games, so they could have. If, if Vegas would have uh, had their way, they'd be six and six. But they didn't. That's fine. You won your last two games. Hey, hats off to you. So that's that's one piece of the puzzle. Two pieces of the puzzle. The second piece of the puzzle is this: Tennessee. You lost your starting quarterback, who was probably the front runner for the Heisman Trophy at the time. Dude, you're gonna be judged harshly by the committee. It's the same thing. If if Bama, if we like like. In Tom's scenario, to where if we had uh, if we had only lost LSU, and so if LSU beats A and M this weekend, we're locked out of Atlanta. But hey, we're fine. We're eleven and one. You know, if Bryce Young goes down against Auburn, I'm talking ACL. That we're going to be looked at differently. We're not going to be the number. They'll put. They probably put us in at four. But if there's any excuse to keep us out, they they would because we're not at full strength. Tennessee, you're not at full strength. There's a reason Milton is not starting. You smashed Vandy. Congratulations. Welcome to the club. A lot of teams smashed Vandy this year. Just because Vandy beat Florida, who's in the the they in the first year of uh, Napier. Yeah, something like that. First or second. 
But regardless, he kicked Brenton Cox off the team. The best defensive player on their team, he had to kick him off. They've still got issues from, from Dan the Dan Mullen days. And then who else did Vandy beat? South Carolina, Kentucky? I don't even remember. But it was Kentucky. You're, but you're still you know Van, your point. Bro, you're still Vandy. That's right. And, and 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 here's the other thing about the committee. When the committee is evaluating teams, they're not trying to evaluate teams about this team just lost to that one, so that one's automatically better. I, I mean, by that logic, we would have lost the national championship to Ole Miss in 15 because they were seven and four, but they had a a win against us, uh, you know, and so they should have been in the championship. That's not the way that goes. The committee looks at the old schedule and then says, all right, what if we take these teams and put them on a neutral field? Who do we think will win? That's the way that conversation goes. And Tennessee won with everything in the world that you could possibly go wrong with Alabama. Alabama had the Mm -hmm. highest number of penalties they've had in 15 years. They played in front of 110,000 people at Neyland Stadium who hadn't had a winning season in so long, and they were just fired up. It was a crazy atmosphere. They had the phantom pass interference go their way. They had the missed field goal from us go their way. They had every break that we could possibly give them in that game, and it still took them a last-second field goal at their home uh, stadium to win. So when the committee looks at that game and says, hey, if we pit these two teams up on a neutral field with 50-50 and all things being considered, who do we think is the best team? It's pretty cut and dry. Yeah. Especially it's pretty good, you know. Especially when Hooker is out, and and that, back to your point about what all during that game went wrong. Three of our top five plays that if we could change, we feel like the year would be different. Would be staring in the you know staring at a playoff berth. Three of those plays came from the Tennessee game: the muff punt, the drop pass, and the inter, the interference call. Not including because it didn't let us include it. The Rocker missed field goal. So yeah, you're 100 percent correct. So, and uh, and let me mention and let me mention this as this as well. This doesn't just hold true for Bama. I'm saying Bama versus Tennessee in neutral field. Who who would be the favorite to win that game? And I think everybody in Vegas and everybody on the committee would tell you Bama. Same thing with LSU. Bama LSU on a neutral field. I mean, you're talking about again last play of the game, two point conversion. They had every opportunity with with all the the crowd noise and everything. Now let's flip the script a, a second. Can they say that about Ohio State and Michigan? They cannot. Ohio State was at home there. They had yeah, all the yeah. home field advantage and they got their brakes beat off of them. It's a completely and different Michigan, scenario. Michigan missing Blake Corum. Yeah, if Michigan goes to Ohio State and Ohio State beats them on a last-second field goal, I'm going to look at that and go, hey, Michigan's as good as them, maybe better on a neutral field. Yeah, Because that's the kind of atmosphere they have over there, too. But when you're in front of 110,000 of your own fans in the biggest game of the year, pitting two undefeated teams ranked two and three in the country in what was touted, and and I agree with it, the, the biggest game of the season, and you get smoked by three touchdowns in front of your home stadium, that's that's not a, that's not a situation that the committee looks at and goes, well, what if we put these on a neutral field? Do we get a different result? I don't think so. No, and this is why... This is why you need a, a wise guy on the committee. I, I say it every year. Uh, to close out this, we'll get to our recap the bets, bets for this week, and then the CFP. Okay, wise guy. You're the wise guy from Vegas on the committee. Is Bama, and I'm just going to go Bama versus blank, okay? So you tell me who's favored. Bama versus Georgia, neutral field. Who's favored? Georgia. Georgia, 100%. Bama versus Michigan, neutral field. Michigan. Okay, but it's close. You agree? It's close, yes. Bama versus TCU, who's number three? Bama. Bama versus USC. Yeah, absolutely. Bama versus USC, who's number four? Bama by seven. Exactly. Bama versus Ohio State? Bama by one or two. Close. 100% I agree with everything you just said. So, you know, that that shows you that if TCU makes it, they are by far not one of the top four teams. But we'll see what happens tomorrow night. Let's recap the bets. Nothing to write home about here. I I went one and two, and the only pick I hit – I went one and one, I'm sorry. The only pick I hit was the pick I was forced to make on the fly because you took Clemson. 
Uh, I took Mississippi State. They won by two, and they were they were underdogs by two. I had Florida State nine and a half. They won by seven. You had Clemson, Iowa State. Uh, Clemson got beat outright. Iowa State got smoked. So uh, you went zero and two. Not not a good not a good week. So um, I guess now I, we can just pick the uh, the championship games. Um, Utah is plus three versus USC. Who do you like? Unfortunately, I like USC because of the same reason that Alabama lost to Georgia in the second game last year, which we lost to them for a lot different reasons than this. But it's tough to beat a team twice in one year. It, it's very tough to do that, particularly if both teams are, are fairly good. And so I think USC gets the revenge on them. All right, I've got Utah plus three. I gotta I gotta go with my my heart over my head. Uh, K State plus two and a half versus TCU. I like Kansas State in that one. Uh, TCU played probably the best game they did all season on Saturday, but they have not not come anywhere close to that previously. Michigan minus sixteen versus Purdue. I'll take Purdue. Too 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 high. Uh, you you got to come down after that high on Saturday. I'll take yeah, Purdue. Yeah, that is one way to look at it. I look at it as I don't know if Michigan can uh, can help but cover this line because Purdue's garbage. But uh, that's fine. I'll go Purdue plus sixteen with you. Uh, Clemson minus seven and a half over North Carolina. I like Carolina. I think Clemson's mailing it in. Yeah, I do too. I, I like Carolina. I think Drake may puts uh, his Heisman hopes for next year on this game and, and wants to, you know, springboard it into next year. Last one is uh, Georgia minus, let's just say, 18 and a half over LSU. I like LSU. I think it's a low-scoring game. I don't think LSU has any chance of winning this game, but I think it's going to be something like 24 to 10 or something like that. Georgia has Very no similar reason. to the Georgia – Tennessee game. Georgia has no reason to do anything special other than win because they're in the playoffs regardless. LSU LSU could beat them 65 to nothing and Georgia would stay in the playoffs. And rightfully so. It's the body of work. It's not one game. So, uh, CFP, uh, our last ranking, before, you know, this will be our last opinionated ranking. Uh, I'm going to go with what – with basically my picks are going to – uh, mirror what we just talked about on who would be favored over who. I've got Georgia at one. I think the best team in the country. I got Michigan at two. I think they're the second best. I've got Bama at three. I think we're the third best team in the country. I got Ohio State four. I think they're number four, the fourth best in the country. And you could easily swap UA at three and Ohio State at, at four. I've got USC at five, TCU at six. I love that. I mean, because I, I, if you're gonna, if if we can go with who actually is the best team in the country, I agree with that a hundred percent. And the um, season's I over. Think, you know, the season's over. I think yeah. it's time to who do, who are the best four teams. Well, if 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 I'm voting, if I had a vote today, then I would have went Michigan, Georgia, USC, Bama. That was my four. I thought Caleb Williams looked really good Saturday because I was yeah, I watched all that game hoping Notre Dame would uh, shock him and he was he was unstoppable against Notre Dame and that was a Notre Dame team that has been playing really well too actually yeah and I had sure. TCU and Ohio State back there probably could swap Ohio State and TCU for sure um, but that I have not like you I have I have Bama in there uh, because I think they are one of the four best teams in yeah, the country I, I, do I don't think and if, we, if we've said this before I don't think Bama can win the playoff this year I don't think they're good enough to play uh, two consecutive teams uh, of this caliber mistake free because that would kill us but I would love to be <laughs> in there because I do think you know overall we're, we're better than all the teams outside the top four yeah for sure all right, well, that wraps it up, and uh, I, I'm sure we'll do another podcast. Uh, uh, yeah, we'll do one next week because we'll talk about our bowl matchup and we'll talk about championship weekend. Then we'll probably take a week or two off and uh, and let the bowls kick off. Then we'll do a couple more. But, uh, Tom, as always, and especially tonight, if you're going to hate Auburn and Hugh Freeze, you have to hate early and hate often. Roll Tide. 
And this is where I'd say roll tide, but I forgot about I'm not charging. You're charging Alabama with a huge win over number one, North Carolina, and number 13, Mississippi or Michigan State over the weekend. They've jumped up to number 12 overall. They did suffer a loss to UConn, but they're coming up on a stretch from playing Gonzaga and Houston. So uh, roll tide, guys. Let's watch some round ball in the meantime. Take yeah, it easy, Eli, guys. Eli's dad, uh, uh, Eli's dad is a Kentucky, you know, huge Kentucky fan. And, uh, but he was going to humor me today, and he asked me about the Iron Bowl. I said, Bruce, I, I've already moved on to basketball, brother. <laughs> with, the, with the two wins we just had. So, anyway, no roll doubt. tide, guys. No Good, uh, had fun again this year. We'll see you next Monday. See ya. Have you seen Junior's grades? <laughs>